0: Welcome to Misinformation, hosted by Rebecca Jones and produced by Big Mouth Media. This weekly podcast with Florida COVID whistleblower Rebecca Jones dives into the world of disinformation and how it's hurting America and democracy. Now, here she is, Misinformational.
1: There we go. We're on now.
0: All right. Hi, everyone. My name is Rebecca Jones, and I am Misinformational, and you are joining us for episode four of our special podcast, and I am here with the great Dr. Cindy Banyai.
1: How are you, Cindy? Hey, I'm doing good, rocking and rolling in the new year, trying to keep it together. How about you? Very tired. As you
0: might be able to see, we were talking about trying to find like tape that makes your face look like you're awake, but it just makes me look like, I don't know, like Christina Poushaw a little bit. Are you...
1: (laughs) That was a little mean. Okay. Do you want to tell everybody why you've been tired?
0: I've been tired because once upon a time, I wanted to be a journalist. So we're going back to my youthful days. I actually went to Syracuse with the plan of being a journalist and went to the Newhouse School and got dual degrees and earth science and journalism all throughout my education. And because digging for truth was always something that was important to me. And I stumbled into something that is... Probably best handled by someone like the New York Times, and I've been talking to them about it too. So I've noticed that for a man who really aspires to be president because he's trying to change Florida law so that he doesn't even have to resign as governor to run for president Ron DeSantis, there are periods of his life that don't exist online, that he's never spoken about, that he's never talked about, and that for me always raises red flags is like well, this person, we should know everything about this person. Hell, people know everything about me and they knew it before I decided to run for Congress. So maybe we should dig into that. So I am fortunate enough to have some very sleuthy journalist friends who have connections who can get documents very quickly. One of those documents I got was a list of all the cases that Ron DeSantis tried while he was with the U.S. District Attorney's Office, Middle District of Florida which was not a very long stint. It was about a year and a half. And cross-referenced, see, I'm tired, so sorry for the stutter. Cross-referenced that list with information that Kent Sturman was pulling with his citizen full access badge to the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office. Now, Kent Sturman was someone that was very close to Ron DeSantis, as close as Mm -hmm. a human being can be. He lived for free in an apartment of Kent Sturman's for a period of time that actually overlaps with this. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, he recently committed suicide in the parking lot of a post office after finding out that he was under investigation for sex trafficking, partially connected to the Joel Greenberg, Matt Gaetz scandal. Yeah. So I was checking to see references between the list of people that Ron DeSantis prosecuted and the cases that Ken Sturman was pulling up and a couple of them popped up. And then I also went a step further to see if I could find anything about these people online. Some of them have died since then, were old. One stood out in particular, Corey A. Moore, who was arrested in 2022 oh. for fraudulently signing thousands of ballot petitions to expand casino gambling in the state. This was a bill that was proposed by Randy Fine, another person who is in the Matt Gates sex trafficking circle and most passionately pushed by Jacksonville Mayor Lenny Curry firm Hmm. that hired this man paid him, actually admitted that they did, although, of course, they claimed that they didn't know about his background and they fired him within two months, but they still turned in the false also represents Lenny Curry's interest. Yeah, it a man that DeSantis prosecuted for sex crimes is working on getting ballot petitions for a Randy Fine bill that is being passionately pushed by Lenny Curry both of whom are connected to Kent Sturman, who is pulling the records of this person's arrest in Jacksonville for this crime using his citizen access to the JSO's office and records before he commits suicide for himself becoming involved in a sex trafficking investigation. Welcome to the Florida swamp. (laughs) Yeah. I started putting all that together and I was like, I think I might need airway insurance or something. (laughs) I've also for those of you who aren't familiar, I've done a lot of work on investigating the connections between Russia and the, what I call the Florida political cabal. And mm-hmm. that information is available on Little Cis. And you can go check that out. They have some really neat interactive tools mapping the entire web of connections. And it's in an article that we just posted on misinformational.com. Mm-hmm. You can check too. But uh, I noticed how many people fall downstairs or off yachts or out windows or they're smoking and then they just die like down the basement stairs, lots of stairs, those Russian stairs. So it's weird to me because obviously I've broken stories in the past that became national stories. The story of Carson Lee Davis, who was the 17 year old girl whose mom denied her medical care, intentionally infected her at a church party, and then gave her hydroxychloroquine at home after its emergency use was revoked, and then she later died.
1: That was my community.
0: Yeah. I broke that story in 2020 when that came out with the help of Jared Moskowitz, who had been giving me sheriff's department's records that were no longer being fulfilled from public records requests. We'll get into Jared Moskowitz on a different episode. But, so it's nothing new to me to break stories like this. It's just, to me, the most bizarre thing about it is that no one's asking the questions. Like That's how has- it is in Florida.
1: No one qu- sh- asks the questions.
0: Yeah, several years of his life, there are just gaps. And anytime someone does look into them, they find something very lurid. Shady. Yes. Like the year that he taught at a preparatory school in, I think it was Georgia, in which they had no problem finding actual photographs and him at parties with these underage girls who were drinking all in his lap. And I think, I believe it was Patricia Azarotti at the New York Times who wrote the story. She dug into his time as a JAG officer in Guantanamo Bay, where he was supposed to be representing detainees in their interests and apparently voluntarily engaged and quite enjoyed torturing people. A lot Mm -hmm. of these people, of course, were released. They were found innocent. Guantanamo Bay is a stain that will never come off of America's terrorism war. So she found that when she looked into it. And I just spent two seconds looking into his case files for when he was at this brief stint also at the U.S. attorney's office in Florida and find that some of these people are still very much engaged in Ron DeSantis' life. And it's like, what is happening? And his sister, whatever is going on with his sister stuff, which I'm going to keep digging into, um, and we'll look at that a little later, certainly bizarre. I hadn't done too much with it because I thought, you know what, if she killed herself, then on the one hand, I'm like, it's going to come out one way or the other. So just be like, if she had some things she was struggling with and she made a mistake and took her life. And that's way better than falsifying a death certificate and running an article on the daily mail as interference three weeks after I bring it up. It's Mm -hmm. so transparently false and made up that it's just sick and gross. But I'm also wondering now about the other periods of DeSantis' life that don't exist in the record or in his giant Wikipedia page, like the period right after this. So there's about two years before DeSantis decided to run for Congress where he's not doing anything. He's out of the U.S. attorney's office. He's honorably discharged and just doesn't exist. This is also the time that overlaps where he was living in Kent Sturman's condo for free. And I can't find anything about what he was doing. And we'll see if a Daily Mail article pops up about the great charitable work that he did during this time. <laughs> and then I'll know which charities I need to call and be like, you just I, get to the Daily Mail They'll to look into. Know. But there yeah, shouldn't be that much secrecy and very clear, as we called it, the sordid, dark and secret past of Ron DeSantis for yeah. a, someone who's so young and putting together time periods shouldn't be that difficult. Like he was an 80 year old man who just came out of nowhere. you could see why it would take you some time to hunt down the years. And very clearly has had his eye on the presidency, a long time.
1: And what kind of time, like speaking of the time period, so this is the year, this is not that long ago. So what year was Ron DeSantis in the state attorney's office? From, let's see, late
0: 2005 until March of 2009. He was elected to congress in 2012 and anyone who has information about what he was doing during the time period from march 2009 may 2009 until 2012 when he's barely squeaks out of victory in a very crowded republican primary race for congress never having been elected to anything before in his life growing up by all easily traceable things as a middle class-ish fan fathers of Mm -hmm. flagrant racist misogynist florida type man it's interesting that happened but (laughs) politics is bizarre so i don't discount the fact that he probably won that primary he didn't win it with much i think he had 33 or 5 percent in a very crowded primary the next person had 25 percent and so on um because politics is weird and you come in and you say oh i was a jag and I have this military service and i worked for the u.s attorney's mm-hmm. office blah, blah, blah. you yeah. well, can get elected but or between, you do what my
1: opponent byron donalds did which was partner up with club for growth and they dumped three million dollars into your race like the last week of the election and then you yeah yeah i by mean a couple hundred he votes. was
0: staying at kent Sturman's place for free while he was doing this and the kent Sturman for those of you who aren't aware, is a MAGA mega donor. He mostly Mm. only supports very far right people with the exception of Rubio, who I wouldn't, I don't care what people say. He is categorically not far right. He is about as vanilla of a Republican as you can get these days. Seems to be testing the boundary of how far he has to go to keep his seat and Mm. where he would like to be as a moderate. Mm -hmm. Definitely not. MAGA but he, Kent Sermon's from Florida so obviously he's going to support the Republican Senate candidate for Florida but every other candidate he's ever supported was far right except Rubio who he's got a Florida connection with and one Democrat and that's Jared Moskowitz and so we will be getting into that actually the last campaign contribution that Kent Sturman made before he died was to Jared Moskowitz boy
1: yeah we'll and
0: get, get into that we'll get <laughs> into <him laughs> that another time was a state representative who was part of the oh god they had a nickname for him and I cannot remember what it was in the state legislature but he was part of the gross he was very close with Matt Gates, Sabatini all of those people they had this disgusting like point system of sleeping with aides and interns oh, and yeah. showing pornographic images of people on the house floor he Moskowitz got his job as director of emergency management through Matt Gates. Matt Gates ran Ron DeSantis' transition advisory team and proposed Jared Moskowitz for the position. Then Jared Moskowitz, after he was retiring from emergency management and missed the whole vaccine controversy, which Jared Moskowitz took personal credit for screwing up, he got appointed to the Broward County of Commissioners by Ron DeSantis and his last camp- major campaign donation was from Kent Sturman. So this is, it's not just the Republicans. There are some Democrats that are deeply involved with this, but none even remotely as much as Jared Moskowitz. And, um, he's an interesting person in a strange relationship to say the least for a long time. But, uh, and I keep all my messages just so everybody's aware. I keep, everything. So when I confronted Jared Moskowitz about the sex trafficking allegations that were levied against Matt Gates way back like when they first came out, I got the heebie-jeebies and we will when we cover that episode share the messages of why Jared Moskowitz set off a whole bunch of red flags about how not to respond to being involved in a sex trafficking investigation. Oh my gosh. And just in case he ever watches this, Jared, there is a difference between 17 and 18 and that you don't know that is problematic as a person writing law, but that's for another episode. So yeah, that's what has me exhausted and paranoid of stairs. Thank God I live in a one story house because I live in Florida and you got to be pretty loaded to have a two story house. I don't. And we will be continuing to develop stories on that front as they evolve. And I continue to find things I don't think I'm supposed to find. But we do have misinformation to deal with this week. Yeah, Unfortunately, quite a lot of it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's. I think it's just good just to like wrap that part. But this is one of the, um, it's just troubling, right? This transparency component of government. And we expect that the elected officials that we have that they're on the up and up. Right. But unfortunately what we're seeing a lot of times is that these folks have yeah, very questionable connections. And I would say, especially in Florida politics, the way that people get ahead is through these very strange networks that are not involved in above the board types of activities. And with
0: a, Declining local media, which is largely owned now by conglomerates. You think Gannett Gannett for your newspapers, which is almost every single USA Today affiliate newspaper in the state. Sinclair for most of your local TV broadcast stations, of whom have not so great histories and pasts or ownership. You have a few standalones that are exceptions to this. The Miami Herald is obviously one of those. And they're in the same network as the Tampa Bay Times. But that doesn't mean that they get everything right as well. They try their hardest. But you would need, it seems, a full-time reporter, investigative reporter, which isn't somebody who just covers sports or analysis games or covers community kitten drives. We're talking about somebody who knows what they're doing on every single one of these politicians to put this all together. And there's not that many reporters in the state of Florida to do that, much less do that and cover everything else. It's it's a sad state for media in general in Florida and across the country. At least Florida has the Miami Herald. You know, you think about who the heck does Mississippi have? You have the Clarion Ledger, but it doesn't have nearly the reach of the Miami Herald or you know, who does West Virginia have? And you start to see how people are unaware of these things when, The types and amounts of information that they're receiving are controlled by a very small group of organizations. So that makes it really hard for them to chase on all this stuff by themselves, which is why I end up doing things that I send to the Washington Mm -hmm. Post or to the Miami Herald and be like, hey, I don't want to be wrong. First of all, so can you check this out for me? And if you do, you can run with it. I don't care. So that's where I am with this story as well. But uh, I did get this list from a reporter who helped me validate it. So it's already being worked up on that end. But yeah, Yeah. it's, that's problematic of media nationally, especially when you have pay for play media outlets, like the whole scandal with the ghost candidate that happened in Florida with the capitalists is Brian Burgess. He by name included Mark Caputo, who has been doing the bidding of Gates and DeSantis for apparently the last five or six years, who, basically just distro- tries to go after any anti desantis sentiment whatsoever. Uh-huh. Stories that are favorable yes. to them, like the one about how prosecutors anonymously said they're not going to charge Matt Gates with a crime the month before the election. That was Caputo that, that planted that story. Gary Fineout was another one that was mentioned in the pay for play. So there's a list of journalists that is now documented that take money to write stories.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: there's some of the biggest names in Florida media mm-hmm. is- Incredibly problematic, but that's how we end up with things like our miss and dis story
1: of the yep. week is because of these people. So it's no surprise that we can't hear all of it, sure. And even in the case of my opponent, too, they, when he was being nominated for speaker, right out of this, all of a sudden, there's this almost not even just got a second term congressman that I was like, Oh, who is this guy? All they did was pull what the blurb he made for himself on his website, and that's who, this is who this guy is. I'm like wait a second. Is nobody going to look at anything else? Yeah. It was wild. And that they really create the, then their own narrative of what's happened. And just a little story for me this week, all of a sudden, Byron is black. He's married to a white woman. And this became this thing as people are criticizing Byron for being, people are saying he was a sellout for being a Republican, right? So his wife puts out this thing saying, oh, I've been with Byron for 23 years and we're everybody's a hater, et cetera, right? And I said, no. I said, and by the way, 23 years, Byron was married to another woman until 2004. <laughs> and I put up a picture. And this woman called me and said, listen, I, the reporters were all over me the last time that he ran I just want to tell you everything so you don't bother me all the time I'm like yeah so she and I became friends over the last few years because I'd be like hey is this information right she'd be like oh yeah but I know for a fact that he was married until 2004 And, well, and she might so- have meant that could be just a misspeak she could have just meant like I've known you so this him. is what they officially put in the newspaper because when he was first running in 2020 our local newspaper ran by Gannett, Fort Myers, the news press here they did this th- thing and they're trying to make it oh he's like a stable family man and then they just moved it back. Now they did meet, but then he went. They were not together, and he went and was married to another woman for four years. And they just completely have written her off, and they've just rewritten this timeline where it's like they were together this whole time, and they met at huh. church in two thousand. And it's a small example, but it's like it's it is overriding parts of the past because in the example of my opponent, he. That's when his felonies disappeared. Okay. Right? So he, he, had fel- he had seven misdemeanors and two felonies on his record. Convictions all- or just arrests? Both. Okay. Combination. I will be the constant
0: person to step in and be like, look, you can be arrested for anything. It doesn't mean shit. More sure. And then there's the know, people he in this country has some pre diversion and different
1: yeah. things. Yes, of course. But in different plea deals and whatever. But The thing was, is that they were on his record and they never were like properly expunged and all this other kind of stuff. They literally disappeared in the month between when he divorced Bisa and married Erica. And so what happened? And if you erase that timeline... It erases. It the looks just
0: so rosy and greats, right? If you
1: don't mention the year that DeSantis taught
0: at a school where he was partying drunkenly with underage teens, right? Or with
1: teenagers, the people
0: that he prosecuted that end up popping up in his life a few years later, or his sister's death, which is tragic, no matter what it was, because she was so young, but surrounded by these bizarre circumstances that they've tried to overcorrect. On which does nothing
1: but raise more flags. Uh, If you don't, if you ignore all the bad stuff, everything looks great. And it seems as though that part of the strategy is not only just to create this alternative narrative for these politicians, but to muddy the water when the questions come up as well. Yeah. So if people never really realize that Ron DeSantis had a sister or that he worked at a school, then people are going to be like, what are you talking about? And it already starts off discrediting to a certain extent the people trying to bring the information to well, i had no idea about the sister thing until fall of last year i was like he's talked about
0: being an only child and i had to look up those quotes to make sure i was right and i was like what the hell are people talking about but then i found out no she he did they they were there was a big age gap so i think they were like seven or eight years apart like she was younger than him so i can imagine like maybe for the benefit of the doubt, which of course that man does not deserve, but let's give it to him. He was talking about being little as an only child when he was like five and you had all the time in the world with both your parents, blah, blah, blah. But uh, it still would seem like a very distasteful and disrespectful to her memory that haunts him on his second inauguration, just to say something like that, but disrespectful and insensitive, go you know, hand in hand with him. Oh boy.
1: Yeah. All it's... shared politics in Florida. Yes. According to the Republicans
0: yeah i know right
1: which, so what other misinformation do we have
0: this week <laughs> i don't even know at this point like what george santos is or what if it should be miss or dis or mal there's a video that has been authenticated in which santos introduced himself first of all one with a different name which are apparently his two middle names that they found out through his birth certificate, he's got first name, or actually I think what it is, his first name, last name, and then his mother's last name and his father's last name. And at times he would use his middle name and his mother's last name. I forget what it was, like DeVanger or something like that, just as a persona. And he once used himself as a trans person at a forum about LGBT and conservatism. So he said that he thought that their panel would benefit from hearing from a conservative trans person like himself. Mm. So I'm not, like he could be. He's not saying that now, obviously, which is, he could have reversed court. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, This guy, I, I think there's gotta be like national security concerns about him being at something like the State of the Union Address because nobody knows who he is or what he's from, or even if he's a U.S. citizen at this point. But that was very strange. And I don't know if it counts as mis or disinformation or what is happening with it, but it certainly deserves a mention because we're starting to get down the road with this man that I don't think that the list of things he's not claimed to be is now shorter than the list of things that he has claimed. Yeah. But it, it was a he's always going to be an honor, honorable mention. Maybe we should add a little thing of George Santos' crazy lie of the week. Yeah,
1: Ooh, that would I will be great. say one thing I love that I love is like all the memes that are coming out where it's like they're putting George Santos' face on like everything. Like he's been, I've seen him as a poet, Marie Antoinette, yeah, Tom <laughs> Brady. He was speaker. That it's just, it, it's, it's it is a funny gift on all of yeah. those. Really terrible that it's, it is, this guy's a congressman now, but.
0: Speaking of Congress, that's where some of our other miss stories of the week come in. in Congress, it would just be great if they'd stop. We also have an Elon-related miss story of the week. So, a couple of Republican representatives have now been falsely claiming that they defunded the the IRS, which they did not. Let's be very clear: they did not. They do not have sole authority to do that. There was never going to be eighty seven thousand new IRS agents. A trip like paid for what it was. 52,000 of those positions were to replace current personnel who are retiring over the next 10 years. That is the large bulk number. 5,000 of those new positions would go to customer service to help expedite calls from taxpayers, to help them navigate the tax system, to answer questions. A lot of it is going to their IT and modernizing all of their technology, which if you Mm -hmm are familiar with the IRS is a very long overdue thing. At no point was there ever going to be eighty-seven thousand new IRS agents paid
1: for in their bill. Oh, was there? Were they? Were there going to be eighty-seven thousand secret stormtroopers that were coming to my door? Yes, and they were going to go knock on all the doors of middle-class people and audit them. Even right. though
0: the new agents were spec- that were going to be added, who are actually investigators, were specifically added to. Continue audits and clear audits for people earning more than $400,000 a year. So that whole thing was a lie to begin with, but that was long debunked. So its reappearance was, and now people like Lauren Boebert are claiming that they defunded the IRS. They did not. They do not have that authority. They wrote a bill to defund the IRS and the Senate killed it. So that was one of our disinformation stories of the week. If you guys are not following Tim Burchett, who's the representative from Tennessee who made Matt Gates go pooping in his pants on the house floor and scared him into changing his vote, you should really start following this guy. He is my favorite GOP person to follow on Twitter. The guy is weird, and it's in all kinds of fun ways. We have a banter thing going on now, which is <laughs> so bizarre. He's super into aliens, I found out. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that I... I was not expecting
0: that so all the, could have he, he right now. the video that was declassified i can't remember what year it was it was a while ago there was this declassification of documents related to unidentified flying objects that the military was like yeah we don't know what these are and everyone was glad i think at that whatever was going on in our
1: lives at that point the whole world was like eh, alien trump Trump declassified oh. them, okay. and this was, I remember this because my dad's kind of into UFOs, right? And so I remember this being a big thing. I was, like, oh my god, the government has been lying to us about UFOs, aliens. And- and yeah, and
0: everyone. everyone was, UFOs. But at the same time,
1: everyone was kind of like,
0: makes sense, and we just moved on. Tim Burton has not moved on. <laughs> he has not moved on it was the Trump UFO investigation, and it was like and he wants to everything. know more. So he tweeted about how we never would have known about alien life like monitoring us on this planet if it was not for the declassification of these documents. He didn't mention Trump. That's why I didn't realize it was Trump who did it. Normally, if they can give Trump credit, they do. I commented, I was like, you know what, Tim, you're making me love you. You're making me love you. And uh, I encourage everyone to follow him online because it is a mix of wonderful and crazy, all wrapped up in this tiny Tennessee man who made Matt Gates piss his pants on the House floor. When no one else could reason with him. But yeah, that's another thing that popped up this week that I was kind of like, ah, that that seems worth mentioning as well. And now I, because he's just so much, he's just a bundle of kittens. He's just joy that Tim cannot remember what the third story (laughs) was. But I'll ask you, did you read something this
1: week that you were like, that's bullshit? I do live in Florida, so that frequently happens to me. Oh, I will say one. It's very local. I'm in Fort Myers, and we had the big Hurricane Ian, right? Yeah. And we're still dealing with the after effects. I know everybody else in the whole country has moved on, but like our Fort Myers beach, is totally trashed, okay? People who have been on the beaches and on the ground since the beginning of the hurricane have basically been saying, look... There's no way that the death toll is this low. I think at this count, the official count is 74 people died in Lee County. If you saw the level of devastation and the fact that they delayed and then lied about the evacuation, uh, there's just absolutely no way that it's that low. And I had heard other reports, even coming from like first responders and rescue folks, about bodies being pulled out of ponds and different places all over the place. But... The reason I bring this up, so again, so there's this kind of public perception that there's no way that the official information is com- matches the local situation, and they weren't releasing a full missing persons list, and they weren't releasing a full accounting of how many bodies that they had found. Okay. Yeah. So this week, and we're all like a hundred, we're three months out, right? This week they finally said that they found the last two bodies. So. Last, so a week from yesterday, they found this woman, this elderly woman, 82 years old in the mangroves, been missing this whole time. And they couldn't, they just finally found her and listed her, moved her from missing to, to deceased. And then they found the boat. The last man who was missing was a fisherman, a man on a sailboat who rode out the hurricane and then his sailboat sunk. Okay. And his body was in the boat. They found him. Now, the way that this was put into the newspaper was, oh, nobody knew. They just thought he was missing. They knew the boat was missing. And oh, my God, two days later, we found him. Okay. now here's the thing. My friend runs a charter company out of the marina where that boat was found. The local officials and all the boat captains knew about that boat since about a week after the hurricane, and they knew there was a body on it since a week after the hurricane and no one chose to do anything about it. They told the people at the Marina that it had something to do with insurance and that it was that man's boat and blah, blah, blah. Now, mind you, everybody was a little grossed out that there was like a body on there, but their main concern was actually that the sailboat was leaking diesel into the Marina. Okay. So it's just really strange knowing that people on the ground there knew that there was a body there And then the sheriff came out and lied and said, oh, we just found it all of a sudden. And here he is. And end of story for Hurricane Ian. And I don't know. That was the, um, is that disinformation? I think it's disinformation, honestly, because it was put to help the local officials basically move on from Hurricane Ian to close the door and to kind of space it out as well so that they could keep the death toll low so that the accountability for not doing the evacuation on time was going to they, that they couldn't hold the county commission accountable for that. So, what is your take on that? Okay. So, I've worked a lot of hurricanes and
0: we still find bodies long after. A lot of the time people might know something's there, but they don't report it to the right people or if they do report it they're like, "Oh yeah, sure." They don't really take it seriously. Um How we count deaths by cause, especially extreme disasters, is an entirely controversial subject on its own, which we, of course, learned with COVID, but especially when we do reanalysis of deaths from like Hurricane Maria or even Katrina, and we figure out that all the heat deaths in the week afterwards were due to a lack of power or a lack of mobility, and therefore they should be counted, but are they counted as primary deaths or secondary deaths, blah, 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 blah. I'd have to look into it more just to... Before I have an opinion, I'm very careful about these things. No, unless I've been I something, I'm, I try to be careful. I never looked into the deaths related to Ian. I got asked a lot to do it, but that is such a localized knowledge base that unless you're like very much like you are, like very tapped into what's happening on the ground there, it's hard to you would really just be speculating. Like when we talk about death tolls from like Katrina, it's like I yeah I lived there and I was aware that there were bodies in houses months afterwards that they hadn't come and cleaned up. That's just common like. Local knowledge—you just walk down the street, you can smell it, yeah. and uh, yeah. So I'm careful with that, but I don't know. You don't know.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I was looking into it, and because I was getting all these report when people asked me, I was running for Congress at the time. They're like, "Look, we—this w- is what we're being told in the news, and, and from the sheriff—is not what we're seeing on the ground." I at one point had charter boat captains calling me and saying, "Look, my my guys are going out, and they'll see 16 bodies floating." <sighs> At one time, like, how is that? It's just what they were physically seeing versus what they what yeah. was happening. There was not matching.
0: Well, there could also still be a list of missing people that are not confirmed dead and they will forever remain missing. That happened a lot during Hurricane Katrina. If bodies were swept out to sea. they're still categorized as missing. Same with Hurricane Michael. It's assumed they were found dead, but because there was no body, they're not going to count it. Now, I do know the parts about that story that I did look into involve the delayed evacuation order, which absolutely did cost lives unnecessarily. I don't know why it was issued so late. It should have been issued from the very beginning, especially with the lack of predictability of storms, especially with the lack of predictability in that specific area for storms. I don't know if it... I'd have to go look at the storm damage path to see if it would have been more dangerous to keep people there than to evacuate, but people died on the road trying to evacuate. And um, that could have been prevented by a timely evacuation Mm -hmm. order or by possibly none at all, depending on if those specific people's houses were still standing after the storm came through, which is what you would have to verify. You would literally have to go through and look at every person who died trying to evacuate, see if their house stayed or not. Because if their house is gone, most likely they would have died anyways. But my bet is that some of those people would have lived. If they had stayed in place. No, it, it was a mistake. It was like and then to lie about, about it purge. afterwards, because they did lie about it afterwards, was just repugnant. It's the deadliest hurricane to hit Florida. I think it's the deadliest hurricane in the country since Katrina. And mm-hmm. the deadliest in Florida yeah. for something like 60 years. And Ron DeSantis oversaw that. But yes. he's very effective at scrubbing from his record unfavorable information that he doesn't want people to focus on.
1: Right. So. And then he just came and did photo ops in the boots and the... Oh, God. But thank God for those photos, though. They're just so nice. (laughs) We're going to have a
0: long life. We'll have a long lifetime of this photograph. At least we got the boots out of it. Or, oh, even better than the boots was the picture that him and Biden were in the same train with. And Biden's meeting the, like, the guy with a Trump shirt. and right. The guy's like happy to meet him. And they're all smiling and looking all like a little spoiled brat who wasn't invited to the party. But his mom made yep. him go anyways. But th- those are, they'll have longevity. But like I said, with deaths and natural disasters, it's tricky. There's always a large group of missing people who will never be found. I think they found the body of one Katrina victim for years After the storm, because they, Katrina was different. What hit Mississippi versus what happened in New Orleans were different storms. the storm had come and gone a day and a half, I think, by the time the levees broke. So there were different types Mm. of natural disasters. And some of the people that died were, because of the floodwaters within the city, sprung out into vacant lots or fields. One person had died and their body had been put in a field that's out of view of most things. And just over time had been buried in the sand and stuff. And so they found that person like four years later. So that does happen. That's not rare, especially with a storm like a hurricane that is so huge. If it's a tornado, you're not likely to find bodies five years later. But um, it's the deaths that they're refusing to acknowledge they themselves caused with the delayed evacuation that should really be a focus because that's indisputable. And the public announcements that they made and when they made them that's statements of fact as far as what they saw in the ocean bodies aren't going to stay out in the salt water for very long before something gets to them and so unless those fishermen like pick them up themselves and brought them back they're probably never going to be found and they'll just continue to be listening listed as missing
1: yeah so that's i mean and that's what we were worried about is just the lack of transparency around it and because it immediately went into everything's fine we got everything under control. Ron Santos is coming. Everything is great. And we're like, whoa, no, like the entire Fort Myers beach is gone. Things are not okay. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was all on this defense. Oh no, we're taking control of everything. And then we have this sheriff who's also, by the way, gunning for governor who just loves the camera. He's got like this TikTok. He's completely disgusting, but he's like connected to everybody. Right. And so he was out in front going, we're here to help everybody. And he was just lying his ass off to everybody about all these things. And, one of the pieces of data that came afterwards is that something like 80% of the people who had passed because of the storm were elderly folks and that it was a direct relationship. Yeah. Yeah, Because they couldn't get out.
0: Yeah. For hurricanes, it's usually, and most actually to a larger extent, most natural disasters, things that require mobility or those people are without it are usually the victims. So that includes, People with younger children are often susceptible, people who are poor, who don't have access to reliable transportation, and people who are elderly, who do not drive or depend upon social services for transportation. And when you have a situation where something hits a city and having a car isn't necessarily necessary to surviving in that city, that's when things get worse. But Mm -hmm. things like heat exhaustion, mobility, age, disability is something that we don't talk about enough, but... Definitely yeah. impacts outcome for natural disasters. That's what you tend to see every single time.
1: Yeah, the disadvantaged and always suffer. Yeah, the most. of course. And I think that it's important for people to recognize that's like this is why we have these protocols in place too. It's if you are of means, you have a strong body, you have a car that works. Sure, you're not going to need yeah. twenty hours to evacuate. But if you need to call a relative to come pick you up because you're an elderly person who's homebound, we're different situations. So yes. we, when you govern, you're not governing for the most capable, <laughs> right? Yes, you're exactly. governing for the best outcomes for everybody. And that includes people who need extra assistance.
0: And local evacuation orders are handled by the local officials. So those decisions aren't coming from the National Weather Service. The National Weather Service and the Hurricane Center could tell you, you need to evacuate this entire coast. That doesn't mean they're going to do it. The fault of that and the responsibility of that falls squarely on the local officials.
1: Yep. County Commission, who, by the way, our county commissioner who is on NPR saying that it was everybody who didn't evacuate's fault was actually in Germany on a sponsored tourism junket. So he didn't really give a shit at all. I'd like to so go journey time. for free. That'd be fun.
0: Yeah, you just take yeah, off during
1: awesome. the middle of a hurricane. Who cares about those people? <laughs> if
0: you're yeah, natural disasters that. like this rarely has the person who's in charge during them because mistakes are made. There have been well managed responses in the past, but not always the things that are huge. So, Matt Gates actually tried to use, and this is, shows me that he didn't do any research on me. Hurricane Michael, as a pillar of how great he did managing a hurricane. I was like, I worked that response. I worked it every day, all day for months. I never fucking saw you there. You were never there. You never once came to the response center. You had nothing to do with how things were handled in the immediate and the immediate afterwards, before and after. And go ask people over in Bay and Gulf County, how they feel about the long-term recovery after Hurricane Michael in that area. His face just went like, you didn't know I worked that storm? How, like, incompetent are the people around you? You should have... That should have been one of your first things. Don't talk about hurricanes in Florida. Because she probably yeah. knows
1: everything there is to know about. it's going to destroy you. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So I was like, like you walked
0: into that shit. And, yeah, because oh, yeah.
1: they're morons. They're not smart. These are just people who are handed positions. Yeah, but, to like, I would I know to avoid to certain
0: things with him. And I'm just shocked. Don't talk about hurricanes. What are you doing? <laughs> I worked that store. But you, no, you did okay. nothing for that store. You're taking credit for a response. First of all, it was botched in the long haul and that you were never present for. I was like, I don't know where the fuck you were, but you weren't here. I was on the ground. I was finding bodies. So don't even come to me with that shit.
1: It's okay. My They're not my opponent walked into, when this was during the COVID thing too, and he's, oh, don't worry, we have plenty of ventilators. And I was just like, hey, have you ever seen somebody on a ventilator? <laughs> have your my daughter was on a ventilator for 25 days let me tell you not the solution and he was just yeah. like "Who?" And i'm like that's right because that's stupid <laughs> like we could yeah. prevent that or we can just fucking hook up everybody to put ventilators in the parking lot yeah, who doesn't mind being on a ventilator for a month because they can't breathe no big deal Yeah. But so that actually to wrap that up, not just to get me like all worked up about stupid politicians, but that I think my analysis is it's this is all this COVID craziness that our local officials, they would be like, oh, we don't want to overreact. We can't tell people to put on masks like we can't because it was that's how everybody was pushing back. Oh, like you're going to tell me to evacuate like you told me to put on a mask. But it was. It's the same same psychological thing. And
0: people don't leave during a storm because they're like, oh, I was here for the last one. And my house was fine. And not appreciating that, okay, you might have managed to survive the last one. That has nothing to do with right now. Or, oh, I'm not going to put on a mask. I get sick, blah, 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 blah it's like that you were talking about a different virus different virus it's a different virus every couple of months because of all the d- different variants that we get that is a psychological condition that is across humanity and it's unfortunate there's a lot of research dedicated in how to convince people to adjust for risk assessment but unfortunately not a clear answer all you can keep doing is look this dude is who has no medical expertise whatsoever has has no training education nothing is No politician is telling you to do something. And then all of the medical field is telling you to do. If we were to stack them on top of each other, little Byron over here would be crushed to death. So that should tell you where you need
1: to be. But But um, unfortunately, but that's the politicians acting. is what That's the thing. So they they didn't want to call the evacuation early because they didn't want to make everybody unhappy. Cause a panic. Okay. It's a hurricane. It's a panic. You should panic. You need to get out. Then you don't have to panic once you're gone. Yeah. But... Oh, it's just nuts. The other thing I do want to say is that that you talked about that I think is important for people to recognize is the how we categorize data things is really important. And also that there's a political component to that on how saying something is this versus that. And I don't think you and I are both data woks, So we've been in the back ends of these state systems. And so we know how it can look, right? And so when we're categorizing the hurricane deaths, this versus that. My experience at the state databases had been a lot of the education and workforce pieces. Mm-hmm. They, the What comes down from the administration and how they choose to calculate and compare really can be based on the narrative that they want to tell yes. with that data.
0: Yeah. And there's a, at least when it comes to natural disasters, always a political element to it. Nobody wants to be the person who screwed up a hurricane response. And there's not complete agreement within academic communities for a lot of these causes as to what exactly should be included. I am more of a, if the person wouldn't have died, had they not been exposed to that storm, that it should be counted. Um, That is not a position that the government most often takes unfortunately that means a lot of people are excluded from things like hurricane death counts if let's say they killed themselves three days after because they had no food or water a lot of people early in covid committed suicide and i know this because i looked at their death certificates because they were sick they had a fever of 104 degrees they were delirious and they didn't have insurance and they didn't want to go to the hospital and were afraid that their whole lives were going to be ruined so they killed themselves i thought that person should have been counted i don't yeah. but they're not they'll never be counted And so it's, that would be something called a secondary death. And it wouldn't go into the firm thing, but you could count it as these people probably wouldn't have died or definitely wouldn't have died if they hadn't gotten sick. But that's a whole other thing. They'll never count those people. Then we'd actually be compelled to do something about natural disasters or natural disasters, which is a controversial term in and of itself. To me, the only thing that is a completely natural disaster is an earthquake. But um, even that comes with its own, why did you build on the sloping face side of a mountain on the middle of the San Andreas fault line? So there's always a human element. So we're supposed to call them geologic disasters, man-made disasters, but nothing's ever just natural. Unless I guess a sunburst comes and just consumes the whole planet. That would be natural. But
1: hopefully that will not happen, at least not before our episode next week. Let me let me throw this one out just because I think it's like I said, it's helpful for people to understand that how data can be manipulated, because I think people think that it's straightforward. But in when I was doing work researching education metrics, one of the things that they've done in Florida is on their third grade reading. Do you know about this? No. See, this is, so this is my data world. So the third grade reading metrics, which is one that across the states that they use to measure, even some places people build prisons based on how many people are on grade level, how many youth are on grade level at third grade reading. Okay. It's a really, really like important metric metric that is across the country. And what has happened in many Southern states, governors essentially that like to not, take federal dollars but have to have a justification for it anyway this is the data piece that they manipulate so out of all the other the all the other tests they they wait the third grade reading so no matter what always half the state is failing third grade so because they put it on a bell curve right so it's not about aptitude and it's not about are you meeting certain benchmarks right it's everybody takes the test and it's on the curve, right? And that's so that they can keep their Title One dollars coming in because they have half the kids are underperforming. That might be a good thing, though. Those well, no schools probably need money. <laughs> right. Well, it is, but it's a manipulation. And yeah. you actually you don't know. You don't know by the way that they scored the test and the way that they publicly report the findings whether or not the students are all, like, vastly ahead or vastly behind. Yeah. It's a way to actually conceal the achievement of your education system statewide. Oh boy. So there's a ton need of stuff have a like special this. data manipulation episode just to focus on that. But yeah. I think that would need to be like a whole like week-long series. Oh my god, we'd have to wonk it out. But I just like to say that as like a caveat to people, too, right? Like there, there are political motives in data and there, it's not straightforward, even though you can come to different conclusions on things, but know that the politicians, especially when they're highly linked, the executive branch dictates the policy for administration, right? So they can tell you that they determine how these things are measured and that can determine what we know and how we act. Yep. And
0: how we view our own world and around us.
1: Yeah. On that depressing note, you guys,
0: <laughs> we will see you next week with a more structured disinformation story of the week. It's been all over the place. Please follow our blog at misinformation.com and of course at Big Mouth Media so that you can read all of our investigations into DeSantis and the entire sex trafficking GOP, I don't know, cabal yeah, of Florida. And we'll be keeping up with that. And of course, we'll always be running fact checks. So thank you guys for joining us and we will see
1: you next week. See you next time. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for joining Misinformational with Rebecca Jones, brought to you by Big Mouth Media. Stay connected by visiting misinformational.com and check out all the great shows and articles on bigmouthmediafl.com. You can also join the conversation with us on Facebook, Instagram, and a cesspool that's Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to Misinformational wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.